Welcome to the Health Coach Nation podcast. My name is Haley Rowe. I'm a sales and marketing coach and strategist for health coaches, life coaches, and wellness professionals who want to become a leader in their field by building their online community, rocking their sales process, and finally feeling confident about how they promote themselves and their marketing. On this show, we talk about tips to grow your business, save yourself time, and finally be able to create a sustainable, profitable business. Let's get into it. If you're a new coach and you're looking to get your next client or your next sale, I want to invite you to my free live class coming up May 17th, that's a Tuesday, at 6 p.m. Central Time, because I'm going to be sharing with you the four basics of client attraction and the standout formula to attract paying clients, people who can actually afford your services, if you know what I mean. So if you want to join me for this, go to HaleyRow.com, scroll down on the homepage, sign up for my email list. You'll see a little email box for my free niche marketing training and Instagram bio checklist. That's how you sign up. You'll get a free gift and you'll get the updates about the class and how to attend and all that good stuff. It's free. We're going to have a good time. We're going to get you out of overwhelm mode and we're going to get you stopping this whole shiny object syndrome thing that you're getting stuck in. So I can't wait to see you. Let's do this May 17th, 6 p.m. Central Time. See you there. I am live today with Sarah, the pivoter, and she helps the insatiably curious to become their own success story without saying yes to everything using personal passion clarity techniques. So I can't wait to hear more about what personal passion clarity techniques are. And uh, Sarah, why don't you start by just sharing with you why you do what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me here today, Haley. It's a real pleasure. Uh, So I got into what I'm doing because I've always really been interested in personal development since I was very young. I would take all these different courses and I really like to focus on that word development because there's a lot of people who think that, oh, I need to improve. I need to do more. And that was certainly me. I thought the more that I did, the more valuable I became. And it was this constant cycle of that external validation. Like if I just get this one more gold star, this next thing, and it was never enough. And so I often felt like I was not enough and I had to consume more and more and more and then do more and more. And I think a lot of people get stuck in these cycles. And so it was through my own journey of the personal development's interest and passion for the last 20 years, as well as taking other people through their journeys of change, becoming a first-time manager in the corporate space, helping people rediscover what their passions truly are uh, and pivot into those areas uh, that has gotten me to where I am today. I love that. Yeah. So when it comes to us thinking that we're more valuable or when we do more and more, when we accomplish more and more, I think that can be sometimes a double-edged sword for people because They're afraid to let that part of their identity go of being like the accomplisher and the high achiever because they think, well, if I'm not that, then like, who am I? I'm going to be so lazy, you know, all these things. And there's so much beliefs attached to it. So what would you say to um, women and coaches specifically who are listening, who feel like they're never doing enough? What, What would be some support to help them with that belief? 
This is a great question. And I actually just covered this with my clients yesterday. And we talked about the grieving process for who we used to be. And I want, I love that you use the word programming and beliefs because we, we really are programmed from our parents, from society, from school. Our school system supports the industry, right? And we're still operating on very outdated models at the moment. And so it's this idea that we have to perform. We have to do something in order to get something. We're inherently not good enough as we are. And that's why I don't like the word personal improvement. There's nothing to improve. There's only things to develop. Right. Because we're born as this blank slate and then we get these layers of conditioning and programming and beliefs put onto us from everything in our environment and they become systemic. So it's just a reminder that as you're going through change, it's going to feel a little bit uncomfortable sometimes because it's like going to the gym. Right. The first time you go, you do some push ups. The next day, your arms are really sore. You can't put your hair in a ponytail. I don't really have that problem anymore, but it still hurts to shampoo. Um and then, you know, the third day, fourth day, fifth day, all of a sudden you can do a few more and it doesn't hurt so bad, right? So it becomes easier the more you practice. So we really just want to remember consistency is key. The more practice we do, the more progress we can make and progress is the true measure of success. And just remember to be kind to yourself. You might have been operating 20, 30, 40, 50 years with these beliefs, with this programming. So listening to a 30-minute podcast or taking a workshop over a weekend is wonderful, but you won't get results immediately after that. You will need to do those things to set up your environment so you can get that energy consistently so that as you change and evolve, you then have the space to become that new version of yourself. So it's important to honor who you used to be and remember that that served you. At some point in your life, those behaviors, that doing, it got you what you needed at the time or what you thought you needed. And it's also gotten you here. And so we want to honor that and take back what we think we really want from that previous version of ourselves. What about the old version do we want to keep? And what about the old version are we going to miss? The more we can clarify and name those things, the easier it becomes to process that grief, that emotion and let it go so that we can be who we are now. Yeah, totally. I think um, you brought up a couple really good points. One is like the way I like to see it when you say, look at the old beliefs and decide which ones you want to keep and which ones you want to get rid of. I like to think of it as like put out all of your thoughts about yourself on paper, like mm -hmm. clean out your closet or clean out your brain yes. and then decide which ones you want to put back in your closet and your brain. And you get to decide at any time what you want to believe. And that's one of the coolest things about being a human. But I think a lot of people think that's outside of their control or it's just a part of their identity or it's just who I am. And they think it's totally fact and they can't even like see a a option to believe that that's an opinion they formed about themselves and looked for evidence for to prove. Yes. We all have confirmation bias. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, it's really hard for somebody, like, for example, I work with a lot of type A's and like perfectionists mm. and they'll just be like, but I'm, I just am the kind of person who needs to have a step-by-step -step, or I'm just the kind of person who needs like da, 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 da. And I'm like, okay, yes. I can that. That. <laughs> yeah. But, but, you have to understand that's like a opinion you formed about yourself and you've been like buckled down to. So um, can you like when somebody puts it out on paper and they're like, how the heck am I supposed to start trying on a new belief? Like you said, where you're just doing a couple reps, you're practicing it intentionally, you're trying to be consistent with it. 
Um, any tips for when people are just like, I don't believe this new belief I want to have about myself? Yes, absolutely. So this is a great thing because, as you said, we get the, cho the choice to choose how we think and feel. And how we think and feel will alter our behavior patterns, our actions, and therefore our beliefs. And so when I was going to school when I was very young, Pluto was a planet. Pluto is no longer a planet. It's classified as, I think, what, a meteorite or an asteroid or something now. And so all the things I learned in school about the solar system having nine planets, and there's probably way more, but, you know, that's what we learned about. Now, all of a sudden, it's eight with this thing on the end, and there's all these other things that are now being taught. So if I was being stubborn, clinging onto that belief, like, no, it's there's nine planets, and that's just who I am. There's nine planets in my world, right? Well, I can do that. I can choose to do that, but I'm also going to suffer because that's not what is the narrative right now. I mean, science, all these things, when new stuff comes in, of course, that there's that resistance because we don't know it yet. We don't trust it. And so therefore, we face the same things with ourselves, with these beliefs. So a few things that I like to do is I like to write out what those beliefs are as if I've already gotten them. So not I will be more calm or I will be successful, but I am. I am is a very powerful statement. When we speak, we're creating sound. Sound is vibration. And so you're literally creating this energy for yourself. And so we're visualizing that we already have the result because we need to act from that space of already having the result. We need to be the person who does the things to get there. I'll give you an example. Someone who's training for the Olympics they see themselves on that podium. They see themselves getting gold. And therefore, every action they take is directed towards being on that podium. So when things come into their sphere that might derail them, for example, going to a party and drinking when they have training the next day and the Olympics is next week, they will have no qualms about saying no because it does not align with where they want to go. So the more clarity we have on our desires and the more we can act as if we already have them means that we will visualize and will create the scenarios that we need. So when you say I am successful, you're operating from a frame of reference that you already have the success. And that is the starting point. When you say I am calm, you're literally telling your body that it's OK to be calm. And so you may not believe it at first. But when you get I, what I recommend is you stand up. And have you heard of power poses? I have Tony Robbins. Oh. Yes. So anyone who doesn't know power poses, look up Tony Robbins, look up Amy Cuddy. She did a fascinating study on the effects of power poses and how literally just standing in a power pose for two minutes can impact whether or not somebody wants to hire you or not and how much your hormonal levels change. So get in a power pose, have your feet beneath you, roll those shoulders back, right? We're taking up space here and say these statements. If you have a mirror accessible, look yourself in the eye while you say them. It is very powerful. And just repeat these every single day with conviction. And in the beginning, you might feel silly and you might notice you can't really make your own eye contact. If you can't make your own eye contact, how can you possibly hold somebody else's and get them to believe you, right? So we're gonna repeat this consistently every single day. And if you like swearing, uh, it's very powerful as well. So you can insert uh, the F word. I don't know if you allow that on your podcast. It's hit or miss. <laughs> yeah. So what I do is I just say, you're Sarah the 
MF Pivoter, <laughs> and you effing got this. And I'll say that to myself. And I feel so powerful after that. And I usually smile because it's kind of like, ooh, you know, like I'm a little kid getting away with something. And I did that repeatedly for a couple of months. And I do it now, actually, anytime I'm feeling a little bit like meh before I get on a live or before I get on with my clients, before I do any Instagram live, anything like that, I'll do that. And I will just instantly change my energy and I get into that space. So it really is the consistency of practicing these I am statements and then just remembering that it is something that you get to try on with your clothes. You might have a way that you dress for work. You also have a way that you dress to go to the gym, right? So how do you want to feel? When you can identify how you want to feel, you can pick the clothes that will make you feel that way, right? If it's a gray day outside, I often pick a very bright color because I want to boost my mood. I don't pick the black thing that I might wear most days. So you get to choose what you're going to try on. Another way to think of it is like a flavor of ice cream. Maybe your go-to is chocolate but it's a really hot day outside and you're just really feeling like a tangy sorbet. Yeah. So you want to feel that flavor in your mouth. So you, you choose the tangy sorbet. So identifying how you want to feel will help you with trying on these new behaviors. Yeah. I love that. And I love the way that you treat it as trying something on like experimenting, because I think a lot of times too, the personal development world can get really like, oh, like I'm going to just, like hustle through and believe this new belief about me. I am blank. And and you're yeah. like in the back of your mind, you're like, I don't really believe that yet. Or I don't like this belief fully. Like, or you think you have to get married to the idea of it yeah. like right now. But if you treat it like with curiosity and a little bit of experimentation and like, ah, what do I want to believe today? What do I want to try on? Like, yeah. let's have fun with this. I think it's going to be a much more sustainable journey than if you're like, okay, I got, I got to believe <laughs> New Year's resolution. Like, you know what I mean? No, so, exactly. Um, and you get the chance to pivot through. And it's, you know, for the type A's out there, I'm also very logical and rational. It's a data experiment. It's your scientist, right? You're getting the data of what feels good and what doesn't. And you might not have ever looked at that this way before, but that's all it is. So the more you take action, the more you get to identify Hey, that felt good. Hey, that didn't feel good. And then you get to choose from that space. I mean, many of us think about what we don't want, right? We know what we don't want, but we can't really clearly articulate what we do want. And that's why we're getting that frustration and struggle of getting there because we don't have enough clarity yet. So digging into the desires or wants that you have, what you think you need, and then going even deeper. What will having this thing afford you, right? If I need to have the the steps all mapped out. What does that give you when everything's mapped out? How does that make you feel? What results does that give you when you have it? Allowing yourself to dig into this layer by layer and each question you ask yourself, again, asking why. Why is this important? What does this afford me in li my life? What does it limit me when I have this? Because everything has a limit and a serve. I don't really subscribe to the limiting beliefs because every belief has a limit and a serve. Yeah, really well said. There's a couple of, first of all, I love that you gave a tactical like exercise they can do with the power poses and the affirmations and look themselves in the mirror. That was such a really good point. Um, but one of the things I also want to mention that you're bringing up is asking yourself powerful questions. So the whole thing about what is going right? What am I happy about? What, how will I feel when I'm at XYZ goal? And how can I feel that today? How can I 
you know, create that feeling for myself right now? Those are such better questions than what's everything that's wrong with me? What's yeah. wrong? <laughs> Why is all this stuff <laughs> happening to me? Like all this kind of these questions that just don't serve us. But going back to what you said about beliefs serve and have maybe a downside. I totally agree with that. And I think any belief you're holding on to that maybe you haven't let go of yet, but you want to might be because you haven't identified how it is serving you and why you're wanting to hold on to it. Right. So um, I want to bring up the topic of two things, one imposter syndrome and one uh, second one is procrastination. So yeah. with imposter syndrome, why would somebody, what's the win or serve or reason why they might want to hold on to, I'm not enough. I should stay quiet. I should, you know, I should, I'm not enough type of idea. Like, tell me what could be the positive potentially of that belief? Yes. Yeah, so this is a great one. So with imposter syndrome, I also just want to point out the very flawed logic, right? So with imposter syndrome, it's this scenario of, you know, you're at Harvard and you're at MIT, you're at the job and you're sitting there thinking like, oh my God, how did I get here? I've somehow fooled them all and they're going to find me out any day. Like I have to work really hard to make sure that doesn't happen. What you're actually saying by the same logic is that everyone around you is an idiot because you fooled them and they don't know how to make their own decisions and assess whether you're qualified or not to be there. And that's a quite narcissistic point of view, isn't it? So the people who suffer from imposter syndrome are operating under this flawed logic and being crushed under the weight of it. And believe it or not, most high performers will have this syndrome more than the other people. And it's just this kind of common affliction, if you will. So the, the biggest thing here is that people with higher empathy often face imposter syndrome as well. So when we have an imposter moment, if we can pivot our thinking and our mindset to having imposter moments, that's that temporary feeling of, oh my gosh, I don't know if I have the skill set to do this yet. Maybe it's your first time doing something. And the first time you learn to walk, the first time you go to pick up a weight, the first time you learn to write, you don't know what you're doing, right? You have to learn, you have to practice. And the first time it might be a bit clunky. You can't read anything, right? You have no control over the pen and then you get better and better. And so you know that you have the ability to learn. When we can shift our focus to this, and we know that we have the ability to learn. So even though I don't know how to do it yet, doesn't mean that I can't learn how to, and that I can't get better. We can always develop ourselves, right? And so this shift to imposter moments allows you to operate from the place of, I can develop my skill set wherever I put my attention, and it's okay that I don't necessarily know how to do it now, but I have the resources to get there. And this allows you to reduce that anxiety. And it reminds you that you don't really think everybody around you is an idiot and that they don't know what they're doing. Because imagine that you said that to them. Imagine say to someone, oh, well, I feel like I just snuck in here and you, you chose me out of pity or you chose me because of whatever. They would be offended, most likely, because you're you know, attacking their ability to make good decisions. So if we can operate from that space, we, we know why imposter syndrome exists. Now, how does it serve us? Well, if you really care about doing a good job, you care about serving the people that you're there to serve, you care about delivering high quality, you want to learn, you want to improve. So this feeling of, I want to get better, 
this feeling of, I know that I don't know everything yet, and therefore I'm going to focus on these areas, allows you the pathways and maybe the fire under your, your ass to do the things. What we can do by shifting to imposter moments is remove the crippling anxiety and interrupt the pattern, the, the anxiety loop that we're stuck in so that we can shift into a more neutral space while we're learning rather than still up in our head of, oh my gosh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, and therefore not actually absorbing what we need to learn. Yeah, really good. Yeah. Like I say, I think one of the things that imposter syndrome, um, a, a way it serves us potentially is also to, it keeps us kind of hiding because when we feel like we're never enough and we're in our heads, we're not doing what you said, learning and serving and showing up and putting ourselves out there and seeing how we can help people. And sometimes that part is uncomfortable because some people don't want to be helped or some people don't like the way you help or whatever it is. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think you bring up a really good point. And I think the other thing with imposter syndrome, as you said, is like it is a little bit selfish because it keeps you in your head. Yes. It keeps you in your own mind and and like thinking other people uh, thinking judgments about other people instead of being like i'm just here to serve i don't need approval i'm i am enough as it is like let's do this so yeah. the other question i wanted to ask you though is about procrastination so with procrastination why do we do that and mm -hmm. how do we start to change that about ourselves yes so i want to tie this back to what you just said about imposter syndrome as well about the judgments we hold of other people Whenever we make a judgment, whether it's about a person, a place, or a thing, we're actually making a judgment about ourselves. It's usually a projection. So if we're having imposter syndrome, it's also an indication that you don't trust yourself because you're then projecting that other people don't know how to make these decisions and you fooled them. So you might be in a pattern of fooling yourself and not trusting yourself. This is also why we procrastinate. We don't trust ourselves to make the right decisions. And so therefore we hold ourselves back and we abdicate responsibility to other people. That might be our parents, that might be our best friends, our partners, you know, our coaches. A lot of times we just want it done for us, right? Like give me the pill, let me, let me feel better right now. Uh, and so it's more about learning to trust yourself so that you don't procrastinate. How do we learn to trust yourself? Start making more decisions. Now, every time you make a decision, you're gonna feel a feeling. And then you're going to decide, was that a feeling that you like or dislike? And then you get a choice of, do you do the thing again? Cause it felt great. Do you do the thing again? Cause you're not sure if you liked it and you just need to test, right? Sometimes we do that a few times or was it completely out of alignment, totally wrong. And you very clearly can now put that on the side. The more actions you take, the more um, data you get again, right? So where can you make small decisions? Let's even just back away from business. Let's just talk about in your personal life. Instead of saying, oh, I don't care what we eat for dinner and letting everybody else choose, let your voice be heard. Say, I would like to have Thai food tonight. What's the worst that's going to happen? They say they don't want to have Thai food. Okay, maybe you order DoorDash of pizza and I order DoorDash of Thai food. There we go, right? We have solutions to a lot of these things. And if you articulate what you truly want, then you can start to, for yourself as well, get that clarity, right? The mirror is getting cleaned off. Then you can take more aligned action. Sometimes procrastination is simply a result uh, and a symptom of the actions not being aligned. So really looking at what have you been doing where you're procrastinating? Is this something that you really want? Or is this something that you were told that you should want? 
And when you can start digging into that a little bit, then these these monsters that have become so big chasing you, when you turn around and face them, you realize that it's just like an ant on the ground and now you can step over it, right? You don't have to be chased by it, wondering, you know, what's going on behind you. So with procrastination, identifying that root cause of, is this mine or is it somebody else's? Um, understanding the type of procrastinator you are, that's something that I do with my clients. You know, some of us overbook so that we stay in the busyness cycle, right? That adrenaline rush. Some of us, um, our shiny object syndrome. So we just try to do too many things at one time. Some of us self-deprecate. So there's these different styles and modalities. The more you can understand this about yourself and, you know, whether you take a Tony Robbins disc assessment or the Myers-Briggs, this really helps you to gain that awareness. And from awareness, you can take more aligned action. Yeah. And a good question might be, what am I trying to avoid here? What feeling am I trying to avoid? What outcome am I trying to avoid to get a little clear on what kind of pro uh, procrastinator are you perhaps? Yes. Um, so that's, that's awesome, Sarah. And I really like your tips. Um, I know that you have a podcast, so I want to talk in a minute about how everybody can stay connected with you, hear more about you. Um, but before we do, I want to make the announcement to everybody who here is here live that on Tuesday, May 17th, we have the four basics of client attraction class coming up and how to stand out as a coach. And it's going to be live. So if you want to come to that and you're hearing this on the podcast or you're hearing this live, you can comment live, uh, live class below and I'll send you the info. Or you can DM me on Instagram at Haley underscore row and get the information for the class. But in the meantime, um, Sarah, how can people connect with you and learn more about you? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So I'm on Facebook. Sarah Calmetta is my name. Uh, Sarah the Pivoter is where you can find me on Instagram. I have a link tree there as well. And you can click through to, you know, all my different um, resources. I do have my own podcast, which I know, Haley, I'm going to have you on there as well coming up here. And it's called The Pivot Cast. And that goes live into LinkedIn, my private Facebook group, uh, Jedi Mindset Strategies for Ambitious Humans Who Like to Get Shit Done, uh, as well as YouTube. And so you can follow on any one of those platforms and catch the live episodes or the replays. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. I appreciate it. Thank you very much, Haley. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And if you liked it and want to reserve your very own free sales audit, go to HaleyRowe.com slash strategy hyphen call to book your very own free sales audit. On the call, we'll talk more about the common concerns you get from your ideal clients, how to overcome those concerns, how to coach through objections, how to change your mindset around sales and improve your sales process so you can be closing and converting more clients. I can't wait to connect with you and go to HaleyRowe.com slash strategy hyphen call to take the first step. Thanks so much. Have a good day.